Hello and welcome. Coming to you from Moonrise Towers. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And uh, consume a lithid tadpole? I think I will. Mm, she's creeping me out. But this is a Geek ETC podcast where we dive into all things you can geek out about. Hey, we're back. And we're back. Uh, John's no longer at a beach. He is here in the podcast. You are in person, which that's like that's been a minute. I know. Been quite a minute, but I'm glad to have you back here, friend. I'm glad to be back, friend. Um, hopefully you enjoyed your, your, your time relaxing or time away, I guess. Indeed. Yeah. We recorded one episode in Hilton Head and then, so I did a week in Hilton Head and then I did like five days in, uh, Cape Hatteras in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Right. Um, and it was okay. I, uh, Hatteras Village, it was just a little, uh, it wasn't like my favorite thing in the world. I, I'm a big, I really love Hilton Head, but right. it, was fun, it was fun overall. It was a nice trip. Lots of good stuff. A lot of driving, unfortunately. Luckily, I have, um, I'm listening to the part of the Stormlight Archive. Uh, it's, it's Stormlight a series. Archive? It's a series of books by by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, heard you mention him before. Yeah, and I'm I've, I'm on the third one. I'm an Oathbringer. I've listened to the first two. And you're doing this on auto, like Audible. Actually, I bought oh. it on Spotify originally because Spotify I, has books. Mm-hmm, yeah, you can buy them on there. Oh, I didn't uh, know they had books. I did that originally because it was easier to play. Like I was playing on my Xbox and like listening That's to right. things through it. Yeah, you can do Spotify on the Xbox now, and I forgot about that. I, I haven't played my xbox in like a long time yeah thank you Baldur's Gate 3 yeah same yeah, we'll, same here we'll get into that in a minute but that yeah i've not played it on there in a while either but luckily you know because it was you know a good 30 hours you know or not quite 20 something hours of driving all to put together you know every trip i made from that's Hilton a long Banks, time it is a long time so it was nice having it was nice having that book to like let me through luckily my wife just kind of like doesn't pay attention to it because I've got it going in the car, you know, like I've got it going as like a... Yeah, I've done that, that. On, on a few trips that me and my wife have done. Um, usually our trips like may, may be like four hours, you know, one, one way going uh, east to visit some of her family or something, but, or even like two and a half hours. Um, and, but she's like, her superpower is being able to just fall asleep anywhere. So if I'm playing a podcast or something, it doesn't matter at all because she'll just lean the seat back and just be out. There you go. That's perfect. And then I can just, yeah, I can play whatever I want and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, luckily my, my wife has not fallen asleep in the car cause she's got to like, you know, grab me when I'm getting too close to vehicles, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's a good co-pilot for sure. She is, she is That's like important. A, we did a road trip to Kansas, uh, when we first started dating. And that was a long time ago. Well, yeah, more than almost 12, 13 years ago. And we were, we're doing a drive there and she had never driven like that far and it wasn't like the GPS wasn't as good at the time, you know, and I was really annoying. I don't know why she didn't, why she put up with me, but cause I was used to like how my father who would make these 14 hour drives from Kansas to East Tennessee all the time, oh. and how like organized he was. And it's, it's like one all of the my, routes plotted out and maps and stuff. Yeah, it's like one of the, and I would get frustrated with my own, myself sometimes. And so I think that's like one of the things that rubbed off on me the worst of like, you know, I had a great childhood, but man, 
those drives, you know, 14 hour drive one way. That was, that sounds miserable. It was like the longest that I think I've done is like when my family would go to Panama city, Florida, that's like nine. Yeah. And there's even some times of that, that we stopped and stayed in Atlanta halfway through and then got up like early the next day and made the second half of the trip. Yeah. I can't do that. I have to go. I'll go now. Like you, you'd, you'd rather put up with it and just, just get it done. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. But you know, I remember like when we were like in a little Plymouth, you know, like the, remember those Plymouth minivans, like the blue with the wood paneling on mm-hmm. the side. That's what we had. We had one of those. And then, you know, I'm a kid. My brother and sister are significantly older than I am. You know, right. my brother's eight years older than me. My sister's 10 years older than me. And then me. And we just annoyed. We would get in fights all the time. It was just. I can see that. I remember Pop, I was like five years old. I turned around and punched my brother in the nose for no reason. Like Jeez. busted his nose open. And, you know, poor guy was just trying to talk to me about something, I think. I right. don't know why I got mad. but We didn't really do any of those longer trip family vacations that long till, you know, like later teenage years kind of thing. So, you know, we were already had our own things at that point or had like devices of some kind, a Game Boy or a smartphone or, you know, something like that to kind of tide us over. I remember my brother when he was in college and had his own vehicle. We had gone somewhere together as a family, but he had his own car or we, we went, we got him a car or something. I don't remember. But then we, I drove back with him right to wherever we were going so it was just me and my brother and you know me and my brother get along well but i remember i had bought this like cd-rom for this vietnam war game first player shooter you know first person shooter i think it was even called like nom or something like that i remember daydreaming about like what it would be like this multi-hour drive all the way home like looking you know i've got the cd case and i'm pulling i'm pulling out the the inside pocket thing you know i'm looking at the the instruction booklet when actually had cool information in it yeah i'm like looking at all the guns i'm I'm imagining i remember like imagining what would have been like a call of duty now you know it's like maybe this is what this will be it wasn't it was horrible there like i had no idea how to play multiplayer games it was just like a solo thing i don't remember there being a campaign really it was trash but i feel like i remember a similar booklet or something like that for medal of honor frontline i may have even had the like the like Prima guides like the bigger book kind of thing that like you know it's the, it has the full walkthrough and talks about like all in depth all the stuff of the game. Yeah, I know I had that for a, a handful of. Uh, you, you think it might have been GameCube games? Yeah, I think GameCube was when I had started collecting a lot of those, those bigger books like that because I know I had one for like Super Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Brothers Melee, and a couple other ones too. I forget. My little boy's seven, and so, like, you know, he, he did pretty well on these journeys. Like, I used to get so frustrated when he was a baby. Obviously, he can't control himself. He has no idea what he's doing. But now that he's seven, trying to keep him on track. And luckily, my wife, you know, she handled all that. She had a tablet ready. You know, we're not, he's not mm. like an iPad kid. Right. I get why people are iPad, you know, they have iPad kids. But my son's not an iPad kid. He watches YouTube and plays toys. He doesn't have anything, doesn't play video games at all yet. Yeah. And, um, but we had all the stuff downloaded on Netflix. We had like a external battery. Oh, nice. One of those juice things plugged up, ready to go to recharge that. Plus a DVD player. Hey, there you go. So he could listen, so he could watch his Godzilla, like his 1960s Godzilla shows. I I love that he's so into like kaiju and monsters and things. Oh, I can't even, I can't even tell you how much he's into like the, um, 
the, the monsters are so hard to find. I probably talked about this before. The monsters are so hard to find anywhere than eBay. So she, my wife makes them out of clay. So he'll oh, be like, wow. can you make, you know, Gygus or, you know, one of these crazy monsters from Ultraman. And yeah. we count in like 40 or 50 something that she's made for him so far. Wow. And they, they've cut it. They cut it for him. He's fine with it. Now he gets pissed off when the, the ear or something comes off, but then we just super hey, glue you back can, on. you can repair it. Just put super glue right back on it. So yeah, he's, he's got like all different colors. Matter of fact, he just, he's like, did you get clay every time she comes back from the store? Cause it's always, <laughs> I don't know when they'll run out of awesome kaiju. That's she's made his toys though. It is. It really it's is. It's like, like some old fashioned charm to it. It really does. And he loves them because he couldn't take them all with him on the trip. Yeah. Because obviously they're clay. We weren't going to let that happen and him break all of them or them come apart. Or have a car full of broken melted clay or something. So he brought like one and along, but he had like a whole, like I'm talking a whole duffel bag full of toys. Right. Because we don't care. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I remember my wife and I both talking like, my parents would never have let me do that, but we had like a really? whole bag dedicated. I mean, I'm oh, yeah. a whole bag, large duffel bag full of his yeah. toys. What's a bag of toys? Like that's, if, if that's what you want to, you know, especially like on vacation, you want to do what's fun. Yeah. And that's like, what, if I was a kid, I'd play with toys. Yeah. And he did. That sounds like an awesome vacation. And he did. He loved it. And, um, but he got, he got a little homesick and we were all kind of homesick when we were in Hatteras. And, uh, my sister-in-law who was house sitting, she sent us a video of she, he wanted to see all his clay monsters. He woke up and was sad because he missed his clay monsters. Oh, and wow. She sent him a video and that made him pretty happy. Man, I, I'm, I'm excited to when, uh, you know, when we go to Japan in a couple months and go to like the Ultraman store. Like, yeah. I can't wait to see what they have there. I'm totally just going to like take some like videos or shots of like with the wall of like things and just send it and be like, which one of these? Oh yeah, and I'll, I will be I will be number one dad forever. Oh yeah, yeah, and you'll be you'll be his number one you know pseudo uncle forever. Right, <laughs> exactly. Like they have like a legit from Japan Ultraman monster or Godzilla monster or something. Yeah, that would um, be dope. What, what about, I was thinking he'd probably freak out is um I don't remember what the street is it's in I think it's in Shinjuku um. There's like a Godzilla street where there's this one like really popular street, and at the end of it, there's like you know there's tall buildings everywhere, but in the corner, like look above one of the buildings, there's a god a, like a life size Godzilla. Oh wow! Looking over the building, like the old style Godzilla from like mm-hmm. the 60s, like on to, like with his like hands in his head over top of the the building, like looking down at you and stuff. So I'm like like I want to take a video of just walking through and then just panning up and seeing that. Oh, he would lose his mind. <laughs> yeah. He, can't wait to see that we actually did stop on the way from from the outer banks back to here for a few hours we we left really early we left at like 6 a.m from the outer banks and we got in raleigh right around 132 mm. and um if not a little bit before that maybe i can't remember before two because two is when we watched the movie there but right. we went to the north carolina science museum oh yeah the big one and they had a lot of dinosaur stuff they had like They've got a skeleton of a blue whale hanging from the skeleton. Oh I bet that's like so big. Yeah, it did that, that. If anything, will make you feel tiny. It's so you know, like huge. something like that is out there still, like yeah. swimming in the in the oceans. Yeah, Ugh. I love whale. I think whales are like I don't know why they're like a comfort. I love watching them. Every time I, I talk to like a ocean person, I'm like, "Have you guys seen whales?" And like, "Oh yeah." And the, 
you know, like in, in Hilton Head, we do a lot of dolphin stuff. Yeah. And I always ask, like, have you guys seen, you know, even though I've asked them before, but I asked one of the guys this time, he's like, we don't really, he's like, you gotta be like 30 miles offshore to see like the right whales yeah. in that area. And, um, but yeah, I would love like the people that live in the Pacific side, you know, on, on the West coast and get to go out there mm-hmm. and see like the humpbacks and stuff, man, that must yep. be crazy. Or if you're like up in like the North in, in some place like in the Icelandic areas oh, or yeah. something, sometimes you'll see the orcas or various yeah. other things like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be sick. So he, but he really loved that. There was a really cool, there was a lot of dinosaurs there, uh, a lot of dinosaur fossils. And so we did, we, we had planned that before we even left that we were going to make that stop on the way back from Hatteras. And we did a few hours there and then watched a like 45 minute. There was a 3d movie there or like, Oh yeah. Dinosaurs in Antarctica. And That's so, cool. yeah, I remember as a kid going to one of our local malls here and they had like a walking with dinosaurs exhibit oh, yeah. sort of thing where like you, like they had, you know, this room that was kind of, you know, blacked off and like there was no lightning, but they, you know, decorated the whole interior with big, like, I don't remember if they were actually animatronic or if they were just like, you know, figures or something, but they were like life-size, a bunch of dinosaurs and everything. And I have vague memories of walking through there and seeing, seeing all those dinosaurs. It's just, I thought it was like the most amazing thing as a kid. Oh yeah. Well, you know, Knoxville Zoo right now, I, I think they still have it and they're going to have it in through the fall. So they have a dinosaur thing at the Knox, which is the Knoxville zoo is actually pretty nice. I think like compared, like I went to the Ashboro zoo, which is like the North Carolina state zoo. And it's like the one everybody's like, you got to go to the Ashboro zoo. You got to go to the Ashboro zoo. That's like the good one. I wasn't impressed with it, to be honest. It wasn't, I, I, after going to Knoxville beforehand and then afterwards, I feel like Knoxville has a better zoo technically. And like, you know, just better exhibits, easier to get around. It makes more sense. You're doing like a giant loop versus there is like, you got to go all the way down to one side and then you can either walk all the way back through everything you've already seen or take a tram. And, um, but Knoxville, they have all these animatronic dinosaurs along the trail, huge life-size ones. They have like a huge Dilophosaurus that'll shoot water at you out of its mouth, which is kind of cool. So but that's a pretty dope thing. I've got a video. I've been trying to, I think I've talked about it before. I'm trying to find like, you know, like, because tonight will be the night that I, oh. you know, like that meme, that TikTok meme that was going around. It's not as popular now, but there's one of the Velociraptors or Utah Raptors on display there and all its feathers and like kind of hair was like kind of hanging in front of its face, like an emo person. Oh, like an emo haircut. <laughs> so I wanted to make that. Yeah. I wanted to make that into a whole thing. Be on the lookout for that. Or if you're one of our listeners, and have that audio send it to me so I can put it on there. That would be funny. But I'd like to see that. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite things that we did on vacation, or I did on vacation separate, was August 3rd. Oh. Baldur's Gate 3 released. And we've talked about Baldur's Gate 3 several times. Yes. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more now uh, right. before we get into our main topic. And that's because it is... Um, yeah, not even lying. I'm sure we'll talk about it numerous times because this has kind of enraptured us both as a game Baldur's Gate 3 it, like I think I would mentioned to you when you first came over it's it might be my like game of the decade or something it's been a very long time since a game has really captured my attention and in multiple facets it doesn't matter like where we're going in this game, like we're constantly getting like surprised by environments that we're in, enemies that we're facing, things that we're doing, you know, conversations that are happening. Like it seems like every corner we turn, we're just like 
kind of flabbergasted like at what we run into. Yeah, and you know, we had played through the first act so much, you know, where um a couple of playthroughs in the first right. act in pre-release in in the early access period. And after that um portion and there were still some things in there that were surprising yeah to me. there's there's even there's things like i mean there's new items and different things that we hadn't done and, and things we found things we hadn't found you know like yeah i had i had played it i think all the way through like three times before that yeah and we we yeah, there's we still fi- things i didn't see finally things we didn't find and whatever um and then now with the addition of all the classes and doing all there's it's definitely like a breath of fresh air there's, there's a lot of replayability there we feel um but Getting into it, you know, now that we're in like, we're moving towards the second, Josh and I have not finished the playthrough yet. We just looked no. at it before we got on here and we're close to 44 hours of gameplay um, in our co-op campaign that we're running. And it is, there has been a number of times where Josh, you know, you and I have said, like, wow, that was, this was impressive. Like, yeah. That was an impressive or, thing. Either that or I was not expecting that. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And not in like a silly way. You know, it's not like, oh, let's, you know, there's, let's just throw a giant chicken into the mix. Right. It, it, it feels immersive and cinematic. You feel a big part of that. Um, you know, we had one of those classic, it's not something that you run into a whole lot, but there was, we had a scenario last night playing. Yeah. Where we had to defend something, which is like, we, first of all, I didn't expect no. like to have like a defend, like you need to defend yeah. this thing for three turns. Yeah. Somebody's doing a thing. You have such amount of time or turns to, you know, keep the enemies at bay while they're trying to accomplish their task. And I normally hate, hate, hate those type of things. Yeah. And, um, First of all, it made sense where we were, why there was waves of enemies coming. Yep. Right? So that was something that was nice. Why the why we needed to defend this thing also made sense. Like it was spelled out to us ahead of time by yeah. the by the other by the NPC. And then you get into like our ability to actually accomplish the task and think creatively. And, you know, Josh Josh casts a spell, like area of effect spell, that lasts for a while, mm-hmm. and effectively, you know, it it was something that effectively just turned the our, the battle in our favor, and like I felt borderline her, like you know, in that sense of the word, I felt like a little bit of hair. I was like, oh, we're doing like this last stand type of thing, yeah. Like it felt good. Like like, it was like, I'm already kind of thinking like, I, I kind of hope we have another one of those scenarios, but yeah. maybe even on a bigger scale or God. something. Yeah. I can't even imagine like, a, I mean, there were, there were a lot of enemies. Luckily we just killed them very yeah. quickly. I mean, I mean, they kept coming, but that was a, cause originally we killed those first, that first set of people and then more, like more came out of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the woodwork, uh, so to speak. And it was, it was pretty awesome. The environments, the textures, the sounds, the the voice acting, get out of town. I think, and then the like cutscenes when we're you're like watching conversations happen and stuff. I said multiple times, I'm like, I feel like I'm just watching a TV show or a movie mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and like some of them would go on for a little bit, and I'm just sitting here, just kind of enthralled in what I'm watching. 
and, and the fact that you have so many NPCs that you can have as your your backup characters, you know, as your as your companions, several most of which have their own origin story where you can play as them versus your own custom character, but just people's voice acting and the way that they're doing things, like you know, listening to Gale the Wizard talk, like it is top notch voice acting. Mm-hmm. You know, all of them are, and um. There's like a decent connection with all of them, and I I really enjoy it. We keep finding really cool new items. I mean, we spent the first half of our other like our playing session a day or two ago just shopping. Oh, yeah, we had to, our shop our generic D and D shopping episode, and we were running out of cash, and we were like, oh, and I even gave you money at one point right. to like buy stuff for another teammate. You know, that's the other thing is like I'm up normally. When we have companions, I don't upgrade them that much. Right. A lot. You know, I'll give them some cool stuff, but like. You keep all the cool stuff for yourself. But because of there's different classes and restrictions and other things like, or they don't, don't make sense. Like we're really trying to optimize, you know, like mm-hmm. you gave me, like I'm giving you stuff. You're giving yeah. me things. Like, like in a lot of looting, you know, loot games and stuff, you know, you'll, you'll open a chest and you'll find the like legendary item or the like mm-hmm. very rare thing or something and of course you typically want to be like well, i found that i want to use it but then due to the complex nature of the your your venturing party you know with different classes and abilities and skills you know you look and you're like well you have you know used you know these kind of swords or this kind of you usually deal acid damage or whatever it is and so like we it, it you don't really care to let one of the other teammates use this like super rare item because it just it would help buff them that much more and just make the whole party that much stronger. It just makes sense. Yeah. It, and it does. So that, that's nice. It's nice. Cause then you, then companions even feel more like actual companions. Right. And you know, you controlling one, me controlling another one. We also get like, I mean, we're essentially playing two characters. We're essentially playing two characters, which is nice. You right. Know, you get that feel from it. And I feel like that keeps the gameplay kind of fresh too. That, you know, I'm playing a, my, my custom character is a monk. Yeah. But my, secondary companion that I'm having with me is a barbarian. So they're both kind of like melee fighters for the most part, but it's still different kinds of, of combat. Yes. And, and things, but you could even mix that up. You could have a, a spell casting wizard and then a fighter. Yeah. And that would be a, a great kind of refreshing mix of both things. And I'm playing like a druid, but like a spores druid who is more, um, melee based, you know, I'm dual wielding weapons mm-hmm. and then I'm playing with will. Who's also the, 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 um, Warlock. Warlock. So, you know, I'm Eldritch. And that's the thing, you know, people talk about like Eldritch Blast. He got made fun of a lot. Like even if, if our listeners are familiar with the Critical Role campaign, like mm-hmm. Critical Role campaign number two, where uh, Travis Willingham, you know, had he, Eldritch Blast. Eldritch that, Blast. That was like his main thing he would do. And it is kind of like the go-to like damaging spell mm-hmm. for, for Warlocks. But... When we play it, you know, I do, it, I've, I've said it multiple times. We're up to level eight now. Yeah. Thousands of XP, 44 hours, and I still don't get tired of him doing it because, yeah. because it just absolutely, when he throws somebody, because it, it's got a... Yeah, you have that augmentation to it that it will blast people back. Like, was it 15 feet or something? Yeah, 15 feet. And so, like, yeah. we're like, oh, snap. Well, let's get him close to the edge of a cliff. And then yep. see ya. Yeah, yeah, if if we just stumble upon some bad guy that we you know, if you fought head you know head on, it might 
it'd be a little tougher problem, but <laughs> even in the middle while I'm talking to him, you just blast him with that, and then they go flying off a cliff and then never yeah. to be seen again. Exactly. I'm, I'm like, like, all right, oh, well, that problem, oh, you're problem gonna, solved. You're going to arrest my friend for stealing? Not so fast. You, nope. you wa- you've wandered too close to the edge, friend. Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. Knock him off. Yes. So, but here's the thing. We're not the only people playing Baldur's Gate 3, Josh uh, and I. Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. There are a lot of people playing Baldur's Gate 3. It has become a extremely popular game. Um, as of now, I think it's like one of the top 10, I think for I can safely say top 10 video games on PC of all time. Right? It, Steam. It, 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 it took number one. It's number one today? Like yeah, like it was a couple of days ago. It hit like at least as far as I don't. Cons- I don't remember concurrent players, or I don't, or it wasn't concurrent, but concurrent players. But I think as far as like reviews, oh, or it's the number one. Yeah. It was like the number one game, so number it's one the, PC game. It is the number one reviewed PC game as well on there. So with that said, you know, um, and yeah, I think on Metacritic, who kind of aggregates all the different review scores from around you know the webs and stuff, they took it from. Uh, Disco Elysium, the final cut, I guess it was the number two. And Which I've never even heard yeah, of before. I, don't, I think I've heard of that, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, so it's also one of those, the game that's like, seems like this entire genre of gaming, which is not typically, you know, your or I, what we enjoy playing. Um, but right. it, it's brought that to the forefront. But here's the thing. We all know, and we've talked about it before, and if you're listening for the first time, Baldur's Gate 3 is based on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition gameplay. There's obviously some differences, but if you were a D&D 5e player, you need to be playing, or you should try giving it a shot. Um, yeah, if you've got a, a decent PC. PC that has a dedicated graphics card, then you can give it a shot. Or what's the uh, in, NVIDIA... The GeForce Force now, which I was playing that originally yeah. with you, but I was playing in like a condo and the internet wasn't right. amazing. So I That's did, a good alternative though. It was a good alternative. But you don't have to worry about the, the spacing on your um, computer because you can play on the NVIDIA GeForce now without having to have the game downloaded. But I will say this, you can also, it's going to be coming out for PlayStation and Xbox, PlayStation first and Xbox afterwards later this month. Um, don't know when Xbox is coming. Yeah, out. Xbox will probably be the end of the year. Really, the, the only thing that they're really waiting on is that, that. That's the unfortunate thing is with PlayStation, you've got the PlayStation Five, and that's the only model of the system. You just have the one to get it, and it's their powerful machine, so it works on there. With Xbox, you got the Series X and the Series S. You have the two versions. The Series X, I, I think they've got it because it's the more powerful one. It can run on it. It's got enough RAM. You know, everything works fine, but it's Series S that they're having frame rate issues on because it's just slightly of an underpowered machine, as far as I understand, as far as like the RAM goes and how that works in it. So, as, as far as I know, once they get the, uh, the Series S version, you know, running smoothly and stably, then they'll release it on Xbox because they, they kind of have to have it work for both systems to be able to put it out on that. So, all the estimates so far, they're saying probably the end of the year for Xbox. Well, either way, I think there's going to be a new influx of players for that. I think there's going to be people, I know that there's people that are playing Baldur's Gate 3. I've seen a lot of, like, obviously it's on my, it's on my algorithm where I'm scrolling through Instagram or mm-hmm. YouTube shorts or whatever. Oh, for and, sure. And I'm seeing people, and they're 
with clips and like the comments are always like, what game is this? What game is this? What game is this? So there's going to be people playing this game that have no idea about D and D. I saw a post today, I think on Reddit that someone was saying that it's having it. It's like a second, like, like a honeymoon phase already Yeah, where it's like having a whole nother wave of influx of players. And I think it's for reasons like you're saying, because it's so popular and makes for such good clips and things that it's, it's breaching beyond the realm of like it initially breached beyond the realm of like D and D gamers and stuff. Then to just the mass of gamers. And now it's breaching beyond to like casual gamers that they're like, Oh, this looks fun. What is this thing? And so that's why we've talked about dungeons and dragons in the past. Um, a couple times we've talked about, um, we did a really long character creation one talking about different classes that was a really long episode, like three hours long. Yeah. And was it was a little bit all over the place. Honestly, you know, it was one of our earlier episodes. Um, so today we just kind of want to talk about like if you come, if you're from, if you're playing Baldur's Gate 3 or not, if you've mm-hmm. just talked, if you've thought about playing Dungeons and Dragons because you see it everywhere, we're just yeah. talking, we want to talk about how to get into it. Right. Because it, it's, it is kind of, I mean, it, it's already in the past, I don't know, you know, number of years gained popularity by a lot like the popularity of it is increasing all the time especially thanks to you know there's all the podcasts that are coming out that they're doing live plays of it you know like critical role and all that stuff and then the, there's these video games like this that have come out that just even fuel that fire even more you know and then everybody anybody who's on reddit they can't help but see you know that there's these posts that even make it on like the r slash all stuff that you know hey yeah this game is number one everywhere so people who have no idea about, you know, RPGs or D&D or any of this stuff, they're still seeing this and like, I think this game's number one over everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to catch people's attention. Yep, and it should. And so, for those of you who have never played Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, that's what we're talking about. There's other editions of Dungeons & Dragons, like 3.5 and 4, and the old, like, D&D 2, like the, or the AD&D, and Pathfinder. There's a bunch of mm-hmm. those games out there, but... The most, you know, what most everybody knows is Dungeons Dragons. Now, there were some issues in the past with Wizards of the Coast, and there was kind of, you know, a lot of um, gamer feedback. And, and some of that was listened to, and some people have decided to leave the system forever. But the system's not going to die because it is the name brand system. You know, D&D is the name brand, you know, turn-based RPG game that you play with your friends at a table or online or whatever. So we're going to talk about how to get into that. Right. Uh, not so much the, the, um, th- like the rules and that kind of thing. We're going to talk right, about right. how to like, how to find a game and how to develop a game as well. Cause there's two ways to play. There's two, there, there's being a dungeon master, a game master, right? Where you're creating and running and kind of being the rule master and setting the tone in the, in the story. And there's being a player, and going on this journey and this adventure and everything like that. And, and I guess even beyond that, then there's even two branches from that, that there's in-person and online. Absolutely. So that's another aspect of it that we'll talk about. So let's talk about, let's talk about how we can, how you can find a game. So you've played Baldur's Gate 3, or you've seen it, or you've, you know, um, I know Stranger Things is probably about to come back out, you know, at some point, and that was a huge... Um, influx of gamers from that yeah they they like the kids played that on there didn't they like i mean just kind of touched on it they touched on it enough where and you know like they called some of the monsters things based on the D D games you know like what the monsters were like um uh 
Vecna, the Lich King, and that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but if you're looking to find, play a game, some places to look and find, you know, somewhere to find, you have to decide whether you want to play in person, mm-hmm. right? If you know a friend that's a DM or GM, just ask him, like, hey, what do I need to do to get into a game? Yeah, are you running a game are currently? You a game Would you currently? like to? Would you like to? If you're looking to run a game or be part of a game in person, there are typically gaming groups on Facebook. So I'm a part of a few, you know, I don't, I, I don't do much on Facebook, but I am a part of a few forums on there, right. which are pretty I was going to say, and you'll know more about this discovery aspect of it than I did. You've definitely done a lot more than that than I have. Um, so one of the places I would go to is if you, if you, if you are a Facebook user, that's something you can do. You can go on Facebook. You can look for, um, like I'm part of like a Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, I'm part of a DM group. I'm part of like a dad fathers, you know, DM, you know, Dungeons and Dragons group. I don't really post on those, but I see a lot of people looking for groups. Mm. And so try to find a looking for group LFG forum for that. Like, Hey, I'm new. I, I want to play this. People have no problem teaching you. People seem to love inviting people into this. Right. It is a very welcoming community. I, was say, I think we talked about, touched on that a while back that most nine out of the 10, you know, DMs or GMs, like they're going to be super welcoming and super supportive to each people mm-hmm. about, you know, how to play and stuff. Even if you have no idea or have never played before. The other issue is too, you know, you might not, you might live somewhere. Like if you're from McPherson, Kansas, right. Or something like that, you might, there's not a whole lot of people that live there. And maybe the people that are GMs or DMs there aren't people you want to play a game with, right? So then there's always the option of going somewhere else. Maybe most larger cities, most cities of over like, you know, over 20,000, I would say, there's typically like a, a game store that has things like Warcraft, um, not Warcraft, um, Warhammer 40K, Warhammer, yeah. Warhammer 40K, Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Uh, Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is huge. And there's always like a kind of like a weekly DM or like a weekly D&D session or something like that. So if you're looking for like an in-person game to get involved with and you don't want to be a DM or GM, those are some places to go check out first. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as Reddit. I would say the Reddit looking for game sections, like Mm -hmm. getting into that, you know, just make a post in like one of the D&D subreddits or something like that looking for game in person in this area. Right. Right. Um, online. This is yes. how I got into the most, like this is how I got enraptured into it. Yeah. I, I had played a couple in person games, like a, a, a few things beforehand and stuff, but I mean, already like a majority of my time is spent, you know, obviously through our games and stuff have been online through real 20. In which I, I enjoy Roll Twenty. It's great. Yeah. Um, I you know they're, they're, we enjoyed it in person. It ran a long time in person, but mm-hmm. everybody seemed to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want people want to do more in person games uh, for the sessions that I run. But for online play, which I think is kind of like the easiest way to get into it and the easiest way to learn the system, mm-hmm. a couple places you can go. So there's a Start Playing Games website. Now one of the big hangups with it when you're looking for a game there is most of the sessions are by DMs and GMs who are pay to play, which can be a turnoff. You know, if you're on a budget, you don't want to pay $10 or $15 a month to be part of a group. There's no issue with that. I totally get that. Um, 
So that that's where I would take you to next would be roll 20. So make a free roll 20 account, right? Don't have to pay for one of the memberships. Um, because the memberships are more for dungeon masters than anything else. Yeah, you get access to more tools and, and things you can do for your players. As a player, you don't need anything other than a basic free membership. You sign up, go to the directory, search the week, days of the week that you can do, search the time zone, search the specific game. You look for D&D 5e on there. They have really right. good filters that you can, like you're talking about days of the week or like bi-weekly, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. You can get specifically what you're, what fits your schedule and what you're looking for. Click search on that. Start looking. Look for somebody that might have a plus or premium membership. Um, there's nothing to say that somebody with a free membership can't run a good game. There's oh, yeah. nothing wrong with that. However, if they don't have a lot of hours in the game, because that's another thing. Roll 20 will also tell you they've, this person has played 1,000 hours, 20 hours. If you see somebody with like four or five hours on there and they have a free membership, they're probably not going to be invested. I, I, I would hazard to guess that um, that game is going to fall apart pretty quick. Mm. As people are going to stop meeting for sessions or whatever. There's also pay-to-play on there, which one, mm. one positive thing of pay-to-play is that you typically have more serious players who are willing to stick it out. Right. They're there because they really want to play, and so they, they're, I mean, they're invested not only their time but their money, so they're going to be more invested in their their play style and their character mm-hmm. and stuff absolutely and they're going to show up to the games which is one of the reasons why dms run it i think you know i had talked about wanting to run a public one on roll 20 in the past with my homebrew setting um and i would probably want it to be pay to play but not in as much as some people are you know maybe like five bucks bi-weekly or something like that yeah but only for the sake of people showing up and then just investing back into my premium membership or whatever that if I anything just to cover the cost of getting to pro tools yeah which is fine um, but so roll 20, that's one of the best ones. We really enjoy it. Now there's a lot of like guff in the online gaming community for that about it. And like, uh, what's foundry the f- foundry, you know, people really love foundry. There's no issues with it. I came to roll 20 and I DM on roll 20 and I find it pretty seamless. Now I'm sure foundry has some stuff on there that people are like, Oh, foundry is way better. Mm-hmm. The big thing with Foundry is people have to have the game, have Foundry downloaded. Now you, they can get it for free from you, but they have to download the actual software on the computer, mm. as far as I know. And that's kind of an extra hangup where people are going to be like, "It's not." You it's don't just bri- log onto a website. It's a bridge too far for them, right? Mm. So usually having a Discord account because most players, most campaigns, and everything have a Discord, and on their Discord is how they use their their. They do their audio, and that's how they talk to each other um, in there. And then you actually play on the website as you're going. Um, Roll20 would definitely be my suggestion. I've become a Roll20 fan. They keep adding new things. Um, one of the most recent things is, like, now we can measure cones. They've added, like, cone, like add, add area of effect measurements. Oh, right. way, they made it way easier really? than what it used to be. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, um, even this That's Saturday cool. for, our, for our Saturday it's campaign. Been, like, I'm happy that you went on vacation, but I'm like jonesing to get back into the game too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, fun stuff coming up in our game. So um, Roll20 would be one of the places I would go. So your local gaming store, Facebook groups, uh, 
Instagram is not usually the best because most of the time Instagram, there's not like forums and it's not as easy to, to guide. You might be right. able to find a page or something that has that kind of thing. Um, start playing games.com, Reddit, uh, any of that stuff. You know, you could always just search like play games around Biloxi, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll come up with something. They'll usually get a Google ad or something like that. Let's talk about things you would need. So in person, right, let's say you can't find 20-sided dice or 12-sided dice or 6-sided dice. Talk to your DM ahead of time. But it's as simple as having it on your phone. You can Google, go to Google right now, and you type in roll D20. In in the search bar. In the search bar. And it'll literally, a dice will come up. And you can click it and it will roll a random number. And then... You can choose how many of those you're rolling. Right. There's free apps you can download from either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store that are, you know, dice rollers that have more complex. Like, you can choose, you know, how many, I want to do 3D6 and then add add four or whatever, or yeah. then add multiple things together. You can make dice groups that roll all the, oh, I know my sneak attack is 3D6, so I just hit that and it'll automatically roll what I need it to. Yeah. There's diet, there's apps that can do that. Um, But granted, yeah, like you mentioned, those local game stores those are great places to go. They'll have like dozens of different, you know, cool dice that you can go there. If you want to pick up a physical set. Um, and oftentimes, uh, from the DMS I've known, like that's one kind of thing that happens after being a DM is you kind of accumulate a lot of dice. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if you find it like a decent DM, a lot of them wouldn't care. Be like, I'll, I'll give you a set of dice. Like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. So you don't have to have physical dice. And, in some game stores, you'll show up and you'll make your character sheet ad hoc, like there, mm-hmm. and run the game there. It might even be a one-off session, which is not a bad thing to get into. The important thing is is to follow the rules, listen to what your DM has to say so they can guide you through everything. Um, you don't have to know the rules. It's a pretty easy game to understand once you get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can move. You got movements, actions, bonus actions, and reactions essentially in combat. But outside of that, it's a lot of role play. Yeah. And so be prepared to role play as your character. Yeah. You know, I think and, we talked about that in one of our previous D and D episodes. Mm-hmm. That that can be a little tough when you start out. You know, just getting comfortable. It's it I mean, it, you know, it can be a little awkward at first. You know, getting comfortable in that around new yeah. people or whatever. But once you're around people like a group of other people and they're all doing it and they're all like way into it it definitely eases the you know the, the load on that and being able to 100 percent go fine with it and that's why i would say online i think is the easiest way to go because you have that veil most of the time exactly the games are not video they are audio only and so when they're audio only you can you don't have to worry about somebody seeing your face or whatever yeah. so you're allowed to be you know, you're allowed to role play. You can make your funny voices up. I've known people that use soundboards for their things. You use a soundboard I for do. your, your minotaur. Uh, I've got a guy that uses a soundboard in my, in my Friday games right, that I right. play. So online play, I think is the best way. So as a player, that's what I would do. I would, you don't need to know the rules, but, um, it definitely helps. Now, if you're trying to find some resources, obviously you can go to Wizards of the Coast or any of the online print stores and find books. The Player's Handbook, right? You can find that on there. Yeah. You can find the Dungeon Master Guide. You can find all that stuff. You can find actual modules pre-written to get from like D&D Beyond and all these things. Mm. However, there are online resources, which 
my my goal for this is just to show how easy it is to get into. Oh yeah. On your phone right now, you can go to 5e tools as in D&D 5e tools, right? It's the number 5, like the actual number, number 5. Number 5e tools and dot it'll com. Pull, dot com, it'll pull up an entire thing with all of this content in it and you can see the rules. It's a very it's a you can see the rules, you can see how different things work. You can see classes. You can see books that have been published. You can see all this stuff. And it is a significant help for those people who are trying to learn. Like there's a section for Dungeon Masters. I use the Dungeon Master screen on there pretty regularly. Yeah. Like um, it, when you open up the page, the main page, they even have it broken down to like, you know, as far as it, you have players, rules, and Dungeon Masters. And mm-hmm. each of those have subsections. Like for the players, they list out the races, classes, backgrounds, weapons all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can just click on it and it has everything there. You can, they have like really good filters that you can filter stuff by if you know about any of that things. But I, it, it's a website that anytime that we play D and D in any of our games, I always have this open in a separate window and I'll consult it or like, we'll come across something or, you know, see some enemy or find some item or some, or I just can't remember something about my class and I can just search it on there real quick. And it has the information right at your fingertips, which is awesome. Yeah, it's a really easy online tool to use. I will also say D&D Beyond, which Wizards of the Coast, who, yeah. or, who kind of hold the license rights uh, to Dun- Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and the new one D&D or whatever's coming out, they um, that is another step. But there is kind of a pay to learn. You know, you can see the basic stuff on there, but you can, you have to pay to see more things. Five E tools, you don't. You can see more things about the classes and races. Um, you can see all the extra material that's been printed. Um, a, another website which I didn't have on my list that Josh just pulled up is RPG Bot. I love this one. It's a really good one. Now, if if you're trying to like build a character, this is like a really good one to go to. It's a little bit can be a little bit confusing for a newbie, but go in there. You can see like how things mesh. If you're just trying to put it, get together a character for online campaign and you, you don't maybe you're, or like an in-person campaign, you've got a sheet and you're like, Hey, show up Thursday and we're going to run, you know, we've got a bunch of DMS and we're gonna run tables. Yeah. I would look at RBG bot maybe and be like, okay, so this is some of the stuff I need to take. You know, it kind of gives you like a, Blue is good yeah, and green's okay and orange is meh and red's bad kind of thing yeah. for different classes and races and stuff. They and, have this standard ranking thing, yeah, from one one to four basically. As far as like if it's if it meshes well with the class or you know whatever it is, and they go through every race, class, subclass, spells, you know, in conjunction in relation to each other, and and rank them all if they're a good option to take or if they're pretty much going to be useless. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then my favorite, the one that I use most of the time is actually D and D wiki dot. So not that one, yeah. but wiki dot. Cause I don't, um, I don't love the D and D wiki cause it brings in, it can be confusing cause it seems like a, a yeah. lot of the stuff that posts on there seems like this one I was going to mention just purely for the homebrew stuff. There are some homebrew things on there and they are good. Yeah, that, However, like homebrew glasses, you, classes, you can, you can find some pretty cool stuff. I've used that for just some ideas, but it, it's a cool place just to maybe get some ideas for some alternate stuff. Yeah. So there is a D and D five E wiki and then there's the wiki dot page. So the wicked dot page is what I typically use. And it's, it's got all the rules, adventuring gear classes. It's got stuff from all the newest books in there that keeps it up to date. Um, it went down at one point to just like Russian hacking and like oh, the, no. the D and D like 
maybe like a year ago and the D&D community was making all kinds of memes like how dare they yeah. you know about bring down D&D wiki dot just trying to play so, our games exactly so D&D beyond wet online wet resource 5e tools online resource rpg bot online resource D&D wiki dot and D&D wiki um and then you got your source books so wizards of the coast um even though other people are allowed to print certain things for 5e like cobalt press and other groups uh the wizards of the coast player handbook is how most people are going off of and you'll find a lot of people when you're looking at these forums on roll 20 will say i only allow races and classes from the player's handbook or all published wizards of the coast material some people like i allow this 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 you know Mm -hmm. so that's a good way to learn if you like the book the books are pretty they've got good art they're kind of fun to yeah, read. Yeah, they're fun just to look at and read. It's a fun book to have. It's you know, it's a picture book for adults. It's nice, right? Um, I've got mine in the other room. Exactly. So, those are some ways to get into it as a player, right? I mean, it's really simple. Just have the you know, be willing to show up to sessions, mm-hmm. be willing to role play, get into it as you go, right? Um, you know, right now in the campaign that I'm playing with on Fridays, the one that I'm a player in, um. You know, my character's been kind of quiet, this because it kind of fits the narrative of where we're at. You know, he doesn't have a reason to be super loud and outgoing, but right. um, I'm looking forward to getting more into that character as we go. Uh, I've got a great DM. Um, you know, I, I, I responded to a Roll20 ad that she posted one time because they lost a player. She did like this little questionnaire with me to make sure I wasn't like a weirdo. Yeah, weirdo, super you know, flaky or something. Weirdo, like, you know, it, it, it's okay to be a weirdo. You know, well, this is a geek-oriented podcast. It's okay if you <laughs> consider yourself weird or nerdy or whatever. The issue is, is when you're well, you like... you go from weirdo to creeper. Yeah, creep. There's a, you will find that occasionally. You know, I, I joined one, and I, the guy had so many rules, and it sounded like a really cool rule set. And then I started reading that there was like... Like, he didn't want to skip over sexual graphic content and like all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, no, no I'm out. Like, I'm, yeah. I, be, I joined it, never played a game. I was in their Discord for like... I was in their discord for maybe like 10 minutes and I was like, this is no, this is not going to work. And I was like, Hey man, sorry, I'm out. Yeah. You know, I can't, I'm not going to play this as it's, it's just, it's a little, it was a little bit weird stuff, but to each their own that existed for them. But you know, not for us, but so I, you know, I have no idea who she is. I have no idea what she looks like. I don't know anything about her. I just know she runs great D and D games and um, same, all these people, they're random folks, you know, I think one guy we know for sure is in Poland or he, you know, he told us he's in Poland cause he's, we'll be playing to like eight or nine o'clock at night or sorry till 11 or 12 at night. And he's like, well, it's 6am here. Jeez. He's like, but I woke up like an hour before the game started. So just to play essentially like he'll, his nights, his schedule's all messed up. Dang. So just have the ability, have the want to play, be willing to learn the rules Pay it to, even if you, and the one thing I would say is if you see the rules, the rules are not a die hard thing. Mm, that's one D- of the things I love about Dungeons and Dragons. D&D is meant for the players. It's meant for the players to have fun. It's meant for the DM to have fun. DMs will put their own spin on rules. They'll have their own kind of homebrew rules. Um, I actually was listening to, I forget what the interview was, but it was Matt Mercer, the, the GM for Critical Role, talking about rules specifically. I mean, I think it was an old video and I think his quote that he mentioned was he follows the rules to the point that they don't become fun anymore. And if mm-hmm. and if bending the rules a little bit, you know, makes it fun for the situation or the character's experience 
or to just do something cool, then, you know, you can bend the rules or whatever. Like, yeah. he'll follow the rules, but only, like, till if it doesn't get fun. Then, yeah. then, you know, what's the point? You're there to play games and have fun. Yes, exactly. And it's like what I've talked about this several times. I talked about it in our class guide that we talked about, which was, like I said, what was one of our earlier episodes, and we were a little bit all over the place, and it was long um, and pro- maybe a little hard to follow. But I'll say this. The goal of the Dungeon Master, Game Master, is to have fun yourself. You're, you're a player in this, but also, in my mind, make your players feel like they're heroes and make sure that they have fun. Yes. And that's my goal. So, And you do a great job at that. Thank you. There are a lot of people who maybe don't enjoy playing or they're, they, they are creative. They're creative types and they outside of character creation, maybe they've got a world in their head or maybe they want to be the game master. Mm. So this is how, this is just some of my tips and places to go as a game master getting into it. So okay. you don't have to be an expert on the rules, pay attention to them. So one of the things I would do if you were a game master is I would use something like five E tools. So as a game master, my two biggest things would be five E tools online reading the rules, understanding them. And I would also watch somebody like Matt Mercer. Now, Matt Mercer kind of has a stigma in the D&D community that already exists because they call it the Matt Mercer effect where some DMs don't feel like they're doing as good as him or people expect every DM to be to be like him. Yeah. Matt Mercer, who is a voice actor in Hollywood right? who can do different voices and has been doing it for a long time. So he's super experienced and he's super passionate and he's also getting paid to do it. Right. Yeah. I like Matt Mercer. I try to do as much as I can like him. Um, or at least, you know, and the descriptions and that kind of thing, uh, as much as possible because he has done such a good job. I, I mm-hmm. try to emulate some of that in my own guys. Right. But I would watch some critical role or something like that. Kind of get a hang of the thing. I would go play a game or two, play a couple of sessions. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like playing monopoly. Once you've played a monopoly game, mm-hmm. you kind of know how it goes. Yeah. Right. So go play a one-off session or get into a campaign for a little bit. Yeah. Then hop into your GM stuff. Now, 5e tools is nice because there's actually a DM screen built into it. You can pick and choose on my DM screen. It's got a lot of the rules, like falling rules and stuff like that, even though we kind of use our own. It has a lot of those things on it. You can, there's little tabs and you can pick the stuff that you want to add to it. And it's usually the stuff that's the most confusing or stuff I need to reference quickly if a weird situation comes up. There are a lot of YouTube resources, right? Uh, one of the ones I used to really enjoy, WebDM, has they've not been really making content lately. Um, they've moved to a different type of thing. But things like the Dungeon Dudes, there are so many other D&D resources out there to go look at and to go look at rules. The Dungeon Dudes um, do a really good job. I know one of our players, that, that our most recent player that got into our game, um, on Saturdays, you know, that he, I remember he said, I mean, he, he had watched quite a bit of their stuff before as oh. he was making his character. He was interested in that stuff. And they've got a lot of like, this is how to play so-and-so. This is how to play this class. This is the rankings of these things. These are the settings we like. Right. Um, watch some of that stuff. Have a general idea. You don't have to become an expert in it, but just be able to, to know the rules. The other thing I would say is make up your own rule. You know, have an idea on what you want your own rules to be. If you don't like... Uh, the fall, you know, damage rules, mm. just come up with it and make sure everybody knows it. Any players that you get know it at the beginning. Now, if you have an experienced player that you're going to DM either online or in person, 
just make sure that they're aware that you're the GM, but also be relying on them to help you with certain things. Cause yeah. even now, like people are like, well, hold on. Can I do this? And sometimes I have to go back and look at things and I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. It's useful too. Oftentimes you'll have in the game, you'll kind of have this like secondary, like rules person. Who's also like pretty well, like, you know, knowledgeable, but stuff like, I know sometimes I kind of feel that role that if you're, yeah. you're busy or you're like trying to do DM stuff or need to know something, I can, I, I may know it as well. Or you'll even cut somebody out. You'll cut another player off at the past, but whoa, whoa you can't do that. Yeah. Unfortunately. And because it's a preset rule on our thing, not because Josh is trying to be a negative. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just like to be fair. Exactly. So some source books that you should probably get. Um, obviously the dungeon master guide, obviously the player's handbook. Those are two good things yeah. to have as a dungeon master. I own both of those from wizards of the coast yeah. monster manual monster manuals. Not a, those, are, a, those are the kind of the three things that started. It's the kind of the starting you can get like a starter kit that has like those three things. Yeah. I think you them. can go to Barnes and Noble yeah. and get this like a starter kit or something yeah. like that. I, you know, I bought the player's handbook first and I bought the dungeon master guide. And even then I'm using five E tools and D and D wiki dot more than I do. Yeah anything else if you don't want to some of those books can i mean they can be like 20 30 bucks yeah sometimes so if you don't quite want to dish the money out on a physical thing all that information is available on there absolutely some other things i want to bring up is there are other you need to decide what setting you're going to be in so as a dungeon master oh you yeah. decide what you're going to do are you going to run a game that is of your own creation are you going to create your own maps and own world or are you going to play some of the pre-written material? So some pre-written material that I would look at are any of the Wizards of the Coast material. Mm. Um, you can find people like uh, another YouTuber I like is like XP to level three. He's a good one that has some videos on uh, campaign settings as well as the Dungeon Dudes uh, on YouTube. Find one that you think will be good. I think like the Lost Minds of Fendelver is one of the typical like intro DM campaigns that people do. And it's like a level one to three or one level one to five campaign. Um, go on there, you know, get the book, use it, you know, take a look at it, change some stuff for yourself though. If you don't like, you know, the goblins that are being used at the beginning or whatever there is, then, you know, change one to an orc or, you know, whatever. Like yeah. don't, don't make it an ancient dragon when they're level one. Cause <laughs> It's not going to work out well for them. You know, we want our players to have fun. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing, I just had an idea, like you tell them you're doing a level one Fendelver, then you kill them all in the beginning and then they have to come back in the future. Oh my gosh. And they're resurrected and that'd be interesting. Anyways. So I would look at that. So look at your source books for sure. Um, the, the actual hard copies things are, are they're easy read. They're a good way to look at things. Yeah. And then choose whether you're going to run a, a module. When I read the modules and I look at them, they're as an ADD person who is not good, uh, always following along. Mm -hmm. I prefer to write my own stuff. I was saying, do you want to explain what a module is? So yeah, let's talk about module. Modules are pre-written campaigns, right? right? That are, it's like a video game. This is what's expected to happen. This is the, what we suggest your character start at. These are the things they're going to run into along the way. They always yeah. encourage creative choice. Of course. However, people know what, if, if you get into a Curse of Strahd campaign. Right. Right, which is one of the modules that Wizards of the Coast has put out. And you don't run into vampires, and it's all set in like a fairy candy land. 
it's going to be really confusing. People will join a Curse of Strahd campaign because they're looking for they're a dark. They're expecting a specific type of deal. Looking for dark fantasy, vampires, monsters, in the, you know, in the mist, that kind of thing. Um, you can tweak it and do whatever you want with it. But in the end, you're ultimately looking to like, oh, I'm probably going to have to run into Strahd von Zarevic, you know, the, yeah. the big vampire at the end. So right. that's something to look into. So modules are fun. You know, that they have the pre-written material in there. If you don't want to come up with a village name or 10,000 village names or whatever. Right. And you want to put them in one spot. That's a good way to go. Yeah. You kind of want to dive right into a campaign without necessarily all the legwork of creating the world and all this stuff within it. At least, you know, it's early on in your DM career, you know, your DM uh, time, it just grab one of those. It's got it all laid out. You can just kind of follow through the book mm-hmm. and, and take your players along the way with it. And it's, it's, a fairly simple process. Yeah. Lost Minds of Fendelver, I think, is like one of the most intro campaigns. I think it's one of the ones some people even get as like a starter package, like a Barnes and Noble thing. Get that, run people through it if you want, if that's what you're into. If you're somebody like me who likes writing, right? I think if you're a writer and you struggle with writer's block and you have trouble getting your work out there, and there is kind of a stigma towards people that are creative writers being DMs at some at certain times hmm. because they tend to make the game too much about themselves, right? Because mm. it's their world and they get a little yeah, bit too invested. story they're writing. They're too invested into it. It's nice to run because all you have to do is set the, you know, do the setting. You can voice act some of the NPCs and that kind of thing. Be careful not to have your own DM PC that you're playing as, like as part of the party because you don't want to make the suggestions. Like they, they need to have the freedom of choice mm. and you can guide them to certain areas you can, you know, somebody be like, Hey, don't, Oh, don't go out into the black forest at night or whatever, right. like super spooky. And then they go out to the black forest and you're like, well, they shouldn't have done that. Cause they're going to get killed. Cause in the book it says this, um, or in my creation, it says this, right. Um, be cognizant of that. Be aware that like, Hey, but the, the best part is you can set, do the setting and then your players write the action for you. And it takes a big load off of your creative writing, I've found, where I can say, this is what has happened, this is what's here, and then my players now make the decision what they're going to do. And um, I find it super satisfying. It almost kind of scratches that itch for me of being a creative writer. Right, kind of set up the, the thing and just let them, you've, you know, create the world and then throw these people in and let them discover it and explore it on their own and you know see what they stumble upon and and run into or end up fighting absolutely and so with that said there are some other settings there are some other people so kobold press is another large press that like you know printing press that that prints D material books uh they, they are famous they have the midgard setting which if I hadn't created my own world, I really like it. And I probably would have run that mm. uh, for our upcoming D and D podcast that we've been working on for God, almost a year now. Mm. Um, it has a lot of stuff. It has pre-written material. It's got pre-written campaigns that you can get for it. So Cobalt press is a good way to go. Um, I would also say uh, wizards in the coast material, and then look at some of the other, especially like, large D and D like YouTubers have made their own material. Um, I forget what the dungeons dudes have. They have their own like campaign setting, mm. but they actually have a live play campaign of, um, you can watch them as well. They're, they're not 
you know, you, you can see some rules and everything. They're not quite as, obviously, they are not Matt Mercer. They're not professional voice actors like yeah. the Critical Role series is, but it would be a lot closer to what you would see from your group of friends, you know, cause that's what they are. They're just dudes. Um, so look at like some of those pre-written campaign settings that other people might have, because there might be something that scratches the itch. There's also other things that follow five E like, uh, there's a cyberpunk five E program. I really that's, like, that's what I was going to like mention. You talk about, you know, settings and things. And I thought that's what you're going to say. It's like, it also doesn't have to even be fantasy. No, you know, you could be in a futuristic cyberpunk world. You know, I'm kind of very slowly, building my own uh campaign in a cyberpunk setting um but you could have yeah like space stuff you know with spaceships we've done a star wars one that we mentioned in the past mm-hmm. as well absolutely like, so there's a lot of ways you could go with it our friend steve um from from scotland you know mm-hmm. who's played with us before and is going to be part of our podcast um who's an excellent role player you know he went to a big uh convention and we're going to have him on the podcast at some point with possibly his gm but they went to a big convention and, you know, there was uh, a Highlander 5e content. And like, the, there are a lot of things that have been made into the 5e rule set from specific, you know, like Marvel heroes or whatever, right. Star Wars 5e. You can find those type of things that might scratch your itch more than people, you know, casting spells. Maybe you want to be force powers. Maybe you want to be yeah. whatever. Um, that's something you can definitely get into. Um. The next thing I would say is if you're going to create your own world and it's in your head, you don't know what to do. These are some websites and places you can go that'll help you with that. So World Anvil is a good place to kind of store your ideas. It's not super user friendly. Like I like to think I'm somewhat tech savvy, but like sometimes trying to get like find everything is not easy. Um, or format everything correctly is not easy. Like I remember making calendars on there and then not being able to find them and then find them in a whole other place. Um, incarnate, I-N-K-A-R-N-A-T-E, right? That's, that's the map maker thing in it. It's a good map maker. You can make world maps on there if you want to, or most likely the best thing to do, especially if you're doing online campaigns, is make a battle map. Yeah. Right? So making battle maps on there, you know, making grass and adding some trees, maybe putting a like a cart and then, you know, stuff on there. There's things you drag out to the map. You can, it's very simple. You can play around with it in 10 seconds and kind of understand if you've got any kind of computer knowledge. The last one I would say is Asgar. Let me make sure I'm saying it right. Slash spelling it right. Right. A-Z-G-A-A-R. So if you Google that, it is very much a world generator. Okay. Right? That's how I built my campaign setting of Zetnora. Well, right, right. was with Asgard. And Not Asgard as in Asgard. Loki. A-Z- A-Z-G-A-A-R. Whatever that, whatever that comes out phonetically to you from whatever country you're in, in mm-hmm. English, that's what it is. Um. It'll auto-generate a thing the second you get on there. Or you can create your own. You can kind of tell it what you're looking for. If you're looking for a more simple thing, you can't. I think God knows how many nation states I have in my my campaign setting with lore and everything going on. Mm -hmm. The best part is when you generate something, it generates everything for you. So if you want to generate the military forces, 
click it and it'll generate military forces, generate names, generate city names, that kind of thing. Or you can go in there and put, you know, put them on there, add notes to everything. So I would use at, I would use incarnate for battle maps online, Asgar for world maps, and then use something like five E tools for rules. Mm-hmm. And I think you're off to a set. And then I, I personally would use roll 20. So as a DM, this is how simple it is, okay. right? As a DM, you would get on roll 20. You would create a game, right? Play around with some of the settings on there. Build a battle map. Drag it, you know, copy, paste it, then place it on the map layer of roll 20. Boom. That's how simple it is. You can adjust the grid on there to how you want. It's a very simple setting to do. Help people with their character sheets. Just watch some roll 20 things as far as character sheets. Make sure you've selected that it's going to be a D&D 5e game and that the players are going to use a D&D 5e uh, character sheet. Right. And then everything else is click. You know, you can drag if you've got the basic rule set. You can yeah. drag certain monsters from the from the codex right. essentially into the game. And again, on the player side, that, that that's like it, it. Like you said, it's one of the easiest ways to get into it because it takes all of the math out of it. All the math is gone. It yeah. rolls everything. You have for your weapon. You. It says longsword. You click on it, and it does it. Yes, exactly. You know? And it's the same thing for dungeon masters. If you want to, if you don't want to create your own monsters, that's one of the things that gets me in the most trouble, and the thing I spend the most time on is I'm creating all these different people mm. and everything from scratch, which I think is nice. Um, and it gives me a little creative outlet, but also it you takes up time. It. Yeah, it takes up time. Whereas I can just, if I want to bring an ogre in, I can search ogre. It comes up. I can just drag its little token from there right onto the thing. And then I have its character sheet ready to go. I can click it and it's throwing it into our thing where everybody can see what it's rolling. And then I can click damage or what I can do the saves that are necessary. Yeah. But that's really useful that it just has all that um, stuff built into it like that. Like as a tool itself, it's, it makes it really easy for you. It is. It's really great. But in-person games have their own, you know, special thing going on. So if you play Baldur's Gate three, you're like, I really like this. Mm -hmm. You should try it. I'd like to play this in person or on, you know, an online version with some friends. Mm-hmm. These are things and come make up my own other character or, you know, even my character that I made in my, in, in Baldur's Gate is my custom character. I want to, yeah. you know, act that out and role play as that character in real life. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's awesome. I've already, I kind of did the opposite. My first D and D character I, I made in real life in my first campaign I played years ago, that was my first character I made in Baldur's Gate when the game came out was I just recreated that character to play as on my first full playthrough. Um, and so far I've really uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. You know, having fun with that, like the character creation, you know, the, the you know, all the things that you can do in Baldur's Gate three, which we've been so impressed with. Mm. The there's still, detail. there's yeah. still things you can't do because there's a coding thing, but there is no coding in our minds, right? Right. Except to, with to, we can do what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. You can choose to, you know, like maybe I'm going to jump off the cat. You know, I can't fly everywhere like I could. In Baldur's Gate 3, you can fly. You, you, right? can, you can fly, but you still have to land on a surface. Yes. Like exactly. you can't be in 3D space, like floating above stuff. So maybe in, in the real game, like if you're playing in person or online, you have more of a more freedom, more freedom than you would for a computer game. Also, you don't own an Xbox, you don't own a PlayStation, and your PC sure can't run it. Right. Guess what? 
You can play. Your mind can. That's right. You know, you could play, you find, go online, find a 5e campaign for Descent into Avernus. That's a Baldur's Gate, you know, centric D&D oh, right. session, right? That goes down into the hells of, of the Faerun of that, you know, of the Wizards of the Coast stuff. Yeah. Play that, you know, go online, play that. If you've got an okay computer, you can do it, you know, as long as you can have a steady internet connection, you can run Discord. I mean, most, I think most modern laptops, even work-oriented ones, yeah, can run that got, seamlessly. You know, this computer I, we use for the uh, podcast stuff, I was playing on a 2011 laptop, and it could, I mean, it, it wasn't super smooth, but I could still play on it. So, yeah, it wasn't like you needed a high-end PC to run no. it. Exactly. Um. So yeah, those that's just a little bit of how to get into it. It's really that simple. Yep. Go, go to your local game store. If that's a little weird to you, or maybe that's not your style of people or whatever, and you're like, you're like, I don't want to go on Yu-Gi-Oh night. That's not my crowd, <laughs> right? Or Magic the Gathering, whatever. That's teach their own, right? Some people love it. Some people don't like it. Go online. Go to World Twenty. Go to Reddit. Go to Facebook. Look, looking for groups. Yeah. Find something that fits you because it's out there. Yeah, And there are people dying to play and there are people who are losing players because they're not ready to go or they're not like into it. Right. It's, it's super simple. If you're trying to create a session or you're, if you want to be, a, if you're like, I want to be a GM, I like world building. I like creating things. Have it in mind that your players need to have fun. You need to have fun and, you know, either use pre-written modules. You can find them at the places we've talked about, or it's as simple as going and making them Make them MS, but you know, go to paint, you know, yeah, on your you computer. You could totally use paint and just scribble out some just stuff. It worked fine. Yeah. I would consider Asgar, make sure you save it correctly. That's the biggest thing about Asgar. If you, every time you open it, it, it opens to a new one, it creates a whole brand new world. Oh. And I would create a world and I would save it and I would make sure that there's a way to go in there and change it to open to that previously saved world. And mm. that's what I would do. Right. Right. That makes sense. That's the best way to do it. Um, but it's out there. It's ready for you. You can do it. You can play Baldur's gate three for the rest of your life and you can play, <laughs> you can play whatever D and D campaign you want. And we want you guys to do it because I think that's one of the biggest thing is like the gatekeeping is kind of gone. You know, everybody of all, yeah. A lot of people are really into nerdy stuff right now and geek stuff. And I hope that wave continues. And, um, it's one of those things that Josh and I have found to be some of the most fun as first person shooter gamers or third person shooter gamers. Yeah. We we, we lived that life for a long time or real time strategy. You know, like I'm a big real time strategy guy. Um, you know, that's, it's there. It's waiting for us. It's the way to go. Agreed. So. Yeah, our suggestion, check it out. Check out Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, exactly. If you find Baldur's Gate 3 fun, you can probably find that with a little bit of creative thinking online or in your local game store. You can make brand new friends and, you know, a whole new walk of people out there who are willing to help you out. Likewise, just because mention it, if you're a big D&D person and you haven't played Baldur's Gate... Go play that game. Get that game and play it. Yeah, if you if you've got a computer able to run it, you're you're not going to be. You're missing out if you're not playing this game right now. It is ugh. like I, I want to I want to finish the podcast so I can go play it right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, hey, let's go ahead and do it. I guess. Lope, he's loading it up now. Oh, 
you're going to be stuck in character creation for like an hour. So that's uh, fine. We're going to, we'll try to have some new, uh, Josh and I are probably going to run a evil campaign at some point. Um, yeah, like we wanted to like, you know, we definitely want to, you know, create and put out some, you know, more content related to the podcast and stuff, but you know, you got to take time for your, yourself and your own things as well. So our, our first kind of playthrough, we wanted, you know, want to just be us. Well, that, and like, you know, the, the, the issues with recording while I was on vacation. It also lined stuff. up that you were gone. Yeah. So that didn't really help <laughs> no. that whole situation, but that's okay. I've had so much fun. It's, I haven't had the, this kind of fun with the game and, in however long I can remember, it's it's great. I'm gonna rave about it and I'm gonna rant about it and be a cheerleader for it forever. Yeah, there's a reason why it's it's got the ratings it does, and you know it's a smaller you know it's not a AAA developer. You know these guys I think had heart and soul that they put into it, and it you can tell, and I it makes me pretty happy, um, and it makes me have I get excited to play with Josh. You know because Josh and I will go through these lulls where we're not playing online as much together. Yeah. Because we're kind of doing our own thing. And this is one of those games that's like Josh and I are now staying up in the evenings and sacrificing yeah. our morning time. I'm like giving up some sleep to be able to play this thing, and I don't even care. Yeah. It's a great game. We hope you play it. We hope you play D&D in person or online. We hope that you get into the community. We hope that you become a creator. We hope that you enjoy this thing that we enjoy as much, and we hope that you guys geek out about it. Right. And in addition to that, we hope you become part of our community. That would also be awesome. Tell us more about that, Josh. Well, you can join our community. We have a uh, Discord, a Geek ETC Discord. And you can uh, be a part of that by going to patreon.com slash geek ETC podcast and uh, sign up there, help support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Um, and you can come join. You'll get an invite to join our Discord and join our uh, growing community there. There's only a few of us at the moment, but we're hoping to grow that. You can come in there and chat about all kinds of, you know, geeky topics that people people are into. Music, movies, TV shows, you know, UFOs and aliens, uh, cars, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and we know we've talked about a lot of alien stuff and a lot of D&D content, but really it's just lined up that that's been what's out, that, you know. Yeah, that, those are big topics right now, and that's what we like. You yeah. know, and we're doing this podcast because it's what we want to do. It's about what we geek out about. So. Geeks fight better together? Yes, they do. And we fight well together over at Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, where you can find all of our content at. Uh, just search Geek ETC Podcast on any of those platforms. You can find us there. Um, also, if you wouldn't mind, go onto iTunes or Spotify or you know Amazon Podcast and leave us a rating or a review, five stars. You know, Tell us how awesome and entertaining we are even if we're not you know it it does it's good for our self-esteem at least it is it makes me feel better and you know honestly check us out too we ran a giveaway we have over 600 members we ran a giveaway and only uh one person only two people entered it (laughs) one one of our one of our podcast (laughs) friends and one of our one of our patrons and then you know it was just a 50 50 shot of who got it and i felt that's cool i felt bad enough i even gave like a little like a gift card to the to the as a consolation prize to the guy that didn't get it. 
Um, but they got a full copy of Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, but you're missing out on some cool stuff. They, yeah, that was, they got a whole copy of the game. They got a whole copy of the game, $60 value. So just come back, follow us on there. We try to post stuff on there. We try to put out content fairly regularly. Obviously, with vacations, uh, Josh is going to Japan. We'll try to have everything scheduled for that. But there will be a few hiccups because we're not. this is not our, our, our primary job. But yeah, we still have a full-time job, so we do this when we can. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate our followers. And most of all, we just hope you guys are having fun too. Exactly. So with that said, we'll leave you for today. And until next week, keep geeking out.